back to The Writer Show. I'm Jeff Hughes, and we're back with another episode of our Songwriters series, and it's a great one. Lockie Dolly is Australia's master of the Hammond B3 organ and a dynamic entertainer and songwriter. Live on stage, he's a force of nature and dazzling musicianship. Don't take my word for it, though. Such as his keyboard prowess and showmanship... He's been invited to join Roger Waters on his upcoming This Is Not A Drill US tour. Heady stuff. I had a great chat with Lockie about his new album, The 301 Sessions, songwriting, and of course, getting that call from Roger Waters. Hope you enjoy it. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. And congratulations on your new album, um, Studios 301 Sessions, hitting number one on the Australian Blues and Roots charts. That must be a pretty good feeling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just found out about that last night. Yeah. And the, uh, yeah, number one on the Jazz and Blues Aria charts too, which is the big one. (laughs) Uh, Well done. I mean, it's it's a sensational album. It's one of the best live albums I've heard. The production's impeccable. Ah, oh, cool. Thank you very much. And, of course, great performances and a killer band. It certainly helps. Man, they, they make my life extremely easy, those guys. They're amazing. <laughs> and you're the secret source. Can, can you tell me how it all, all that came about, the, the live sessions? The live session, yeah, it came about... Um, by doing something similar with a um, a guitar player called Ray Beetle, he he rang me up and he said, oh, I'm doing this semi-live show at 301. Um, it's going to be a small audience there, but we're recording it and it's going to become an album. Um, do you want to do it? And I thought, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll, um, I'll do that. I'll give that a go. So I went in there and it was pretty much the same setup that I ended up doing. It, um, yeah, there were like 20 people sitting down all with headphones on and we kind of played live. But the one with Ray, we sort of did a few takes of various songs and it was, wasn't was quite so much a uh, concert performance, I suppose, as probably a bit more of a recording. But the whole the framework was there and the whole setup was there and it was all filmed. And while I was doing it, I was thinking, ah, oh, I would love to do this. This would be the perfect thing for you know to do especially when there's not many gigs happening and use it as an excuse just to kind of get all my favorite musos together and to do something special and yeah so that was the that was how I discovered it and um yeah and then I just went about putting it in place and um happened to find that I could do it on my birthday and I thought now there's a good date let's do it on that (laughs) perfect birthday present (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 
Of course, uh, I was looking at your uh, website and this great quote from Glenn Hughes there calling you the greatest living keyboard player in the world. That's high <laughs> praise indeed. It must have been a blast working with Glenn and Steve Vai on Highway Star. I mean, I'm a bit of a deep purple head and that's my track. That's uh, oh, the, the what a song, world. eh? Yeah. Oh, just, yeah, one of the absolute classic deep purple tracks, that one. It's got like... Sort of let the whole band shine that uh, yeah. that track, but yeah, it was amazing to get asked to do that. Uh, that was almost ten years ago now. Yeah, it, um, yeah, I did that. Uh, sadly, I didn't do it in the same room as all of them. I I did that one remotely. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, but just to be asked to do it was just such a huge deal. And then to have, yeah, I mean Chad Smith and Steve Vai and Glenn Hughes, just, just all absolute rock and roll legends <laughs> and then little old me chuck some crazy organ on top <laughs> it's a monster track it, it, it got under my radar i just played it this morning oh cool yeah yeah no it's it's huge and glenn's vocal on that i mean it's just something else it's incredible how that guy sings i didn't know he could sing like that oh monster absolute yeah. monster of a singer amazing yeah and that all came about through um through playing with Jimmy Barnes yeah. and Glenn was over in, in Australia doing something and uh, he wanted some organ on something. So Jimmy told him to get me to come down. So I played a little bit of an organ track on one of his demos and uh, yeah, and he loved it and then didn't really hear much from him until a few years later he came back again and I he asked me to do some shows with him and then at the same time uh, I got to do the the uh, Highway Star, the version of Highway Star. <laughs> so great. You, of course, re- renowned as the king of the Hammond B3. And uh, anyone <laughs> who's seen you play that sweet thing live would be an instant fan. What what drew you to the Hammond sound initially? What what do you love about it? Uh, I think it's the power. Uh, it's the power of it, the way it can just scream. I think that's what initially attracted me to to playing the Hammond organ. It was like you could just hold down these rip-roaring chords and then through the Leslie just sort of sp- the sound kind of spinning around the room and, and um, yeah, and it just kept going until you took your hand off. You know, it was this incredible sound and then you could just hold it there. So, you know, permanent sustain. Um, I think that was the initial attraction and then, then uh, over the years, working out all the levels of expression you can get from the organ, you know, using the draw bars and and the speed of the Leslie and the volume pedal and all the things it has to offer to to really make it as emotive as you can and really try and express yourself, um, you know, musically and and the and the way you're feeling and just try and let it all come out while you're playing. I mean, the Hammond organ is just such a perfect vehicle for that. And, uh, yeah, I never get tired of it, that's for sure. <laughs> never get tired of listening to it. Of course, you've quite a few Steve Winwood tracks, which uh, give it a bit of a run. Oh, yeah. Steve's amazing. I mean, yeah, I mean, one of the signature tunes I've done for years is is Give Me Some Lovin'. Yeah. Just it's such a great... I think when I was first starting to do my gigs, it was, you know, like, oh, we need... You know, I just I hadn't written many songs of my own, so it was like oh, I need a couple of simple tracks just to, you know, to to fill in the sets because 
when I first started, I was doing a lot of those pub gigs, so it was like, uh, you know, three sets, so you had to have a lot of songs. And that was just a great, you know, simple song that most people knew how to play, and it just as well as it being an or- as it being an organ track, it just felt really natural for me to sing as well. So. Yeah, it just became a permanent part of the repertoire, and since then I've, um, yeah, well, on this album I did I'm a Man. <laughs> such Both of them such powerful songs. Oh, well, absolutely. Well, Written when he was like 16 or something. Yeah, something crazy. <laughs> Let, let's talk about songwriting then. What, what's your approach to songwriting, Rocky? Well, lots of different approaches, really. Um, I suppose I don't necessarily have a... A, a real approach, you know. I just, I often come up with uh, vocal or lyrical ideas in my head, and you know, if um, when I'm out and about or driving, often when I'm driving, um, sometimes in in my sleep, I'll think of a great a great line or something like that. So I'll often just write that down in my um, on my little notes in my phone. And similarly, I'll do the same thing musically. You know, I'll have a melody or a chorus idea and uh, or if I'm at I think generally more often than not the ideas come when I'm away from the keyboard first and um, so yeah I'll just do the same thing I'll just sing a line or a couple of words or a melody into the phone and then when I get a chance or I'm feeling inspired I'll I'll come and have a listen to them all and and sort of you know oh that was rubbish oh this one's pretty good I'll see if I can make something of this and yeah, and and sometimes I do that with when I'm at the keyboard too. If if I, I do plan sometimes to sit down and write a song, and I might come up with bits of a whole bunch of songs and record them on my phone, and then come back to them later. Um, yeah, so there's so many different ways. Or, or, or certainly now there's a lot more ways of songwriting. Um, I uh, so a lot more roads I take now than previously i think when i was younger it was all about the music and the notes and the chords and the groove but now it's definitely yeah i get little pockets of inspiration from all different places <laughs> i suppose the key key things capturing them yeah that's right and i think it and i think you got to you got to set aside some time to really nut stuff out too you know um you, i don't think you can wait for that sort of perfect moment you know to uh to uh, start writing i think you actually have sure. to set aside a time if you um if you want to get it done and uh i don't think that you know um i don't I, th- I don't think the results are any less good from from doing that yeah, i think it's important i yeah i certainly wouldn't have as many albums out now if i didn't you know really make a point of okay set myself a deadline Okay, I'm going to get this. Got to get this album written. Let's go. <laughs> so, so what's your songwriting process look like? Do you do you have like a a daily practice where you put aside 
time to write a song, or like you said, do you wait till you're getting an album together for release? I usually, yeah. So over the space of like maybe eight months, I'll just get those little ideas and I'll save them up and look at them every now and again. Maybe I'll work on one track or two, get them kind of fairly structured. And then generally I book the studio and um, give myself about three months to kind of get it all done. Because if I don't have that deadline, I won't, um, yeah, it'll just go on and on and on and on. And I'll never get it done. So I need to, yeah, I need to kind of force myself, okay, there's the finishing line. All right. And then I can sort of pace myself, all right, I need to get so much done um, each week and, you know, just so I can find the time to make sure it's done and I'm not freaking out at the end and um, trying to just sort of, you know, cram every last word that comes into my head and, you know... (laughs) So you don't you don't track at home in your home studio? Uh, only a little bit, only for demos. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'll do a bit of that and come up with ideas. I'm planning to do. I want to do a, more of that this time. I want to get it to more of a structured place before going into the studio. Because um, I'm very, I'm just really happy with the way the album turned out. The last album, which was all done live in a yeah. studio. Yeah. But all those songs, they're all songs I've recorded before or played before. And, you know, they're comfortable and, you know, everyone's confident in what they're doing, even the even the people who had never played them before. Um, but uh, so I really want to try and do that again for this album um, and I want to film it. I might not have the audience, but I really want to have the cameras and do one takes or like whole yeah. takes I should say with it all filmed and it's down can do a couple of fix-ups or whatever if something you know could have done something a little bit better but the bulk of it just live in the studio because it just yeah I'm just so happy with the way the last one turned out doing that that yeah I think that might become a a regular way of me making an album I hope anyway <laughs> oh the, the the energy just is, is there you can apart from the, the techni- technical perfection of it, it it's just the performance you, it's live it's in your face yeah everyone's everyone's smiling and <laughs> yeah and everyone's feeding off each other yeah, all yeah. those things you do when you when you know the songs well when you and you're good friends and you're having a good time and and you're really capable of uh, at your instrument you know that's all that stuff yeah creates magic happy that's what we managed to do on the last one and 
yeah, I just don't want to look back from there, you know. I don't want to, I want to keep, you know, upping the level every time if I can. <laughs> and it's a good model. Would, would you go do it again at Studios 301? Uh, possibly, yeah. I, there aren't many studios in Australia, I think, I guess that are capable of facilitating that kind of setup and doing it. Yeah. Especially a band that big, all live, where you can all fit comfortably and you can film at space to film. So, um, yeah, most likely it'll be a 301 again. <laughs> well, be looking forward to that. Yeah. So you, you've worked with a who's who of Australian and international artists. Who's on the list you'd love to work with that you haven't worked with yet? Well, there's one coming up next year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I'm super excited about, uh, which is Roger Waters. So, ah, um, Wow. Yeah, I know. Um, he was, you know, he's definitely on that list. I mean, Pink Floyd, all the the best keyboard sounds in the world on on their records, and yeah. just best sounds in general, anyway. Um, yeah, so he his manager rang me up last year, just before all the COVID stuff hit, and um, basically said, "Oh, look, uh, I manage Roger Waters. He wants to have a chat with you about." Possibly joining his um, "This Is Not a Drill" tour yeah. for the end of at the end of 2020. And um, uh, is it all right if if he gives you a call? And I'm like, what? You can't be serious. Um, and obviously, I said, yeah, please. And then, yeah, the next thing, Roger calls me up and have a good chat and a good laugh and tells me some funny stories um, about well, actually about previous members of the band and other huh. funny tales. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and goes on to tell me that he loved my videos that he saw on YouTube and, and he watched a whole bunch and, and uh, yeah, and then he teed up a, um, a time where we could do like a remote session. So he was on Skype and I was recording some organ and clav on some of uh, some Floyd tunes and some of his solo stuff. Um, just as like a, basically an audition, really. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he really loved everything we did. Um, and yeah, he basically said, yeah, all right, I'd love you to join the tour. And, uh, I was like, yes, the best day of my life. <laughs> and then the next day, oh yeah, but I'm afraid the tour has been canceled or postponed anyway. Cause that was when, that was basically when everything hit the fan and, yeah. uh, but that's all right. They postponed it two years, so um, which was, in hindsight, a, a safe thing to do. And um, yeah, so hopefully June next year I'll be off to the states to uh, to play with Roger. <laughs> Fantastic! Is it, is it coming down to Australia? Tour? Uh, there's nothing, nothing that I know of. No, but yeah. uh, I, you know, I, it could very well be. There could very well be plans, but. Uh, I, yeah. went to, I went to see the Sydney show. Oh, it's it 2019. Just yep. se- sensational, sensational band. Yeah, amazing, wasn't it? Oh, you saw the show as well. Yeah, oh, I've seen I've seen the DVD, <laughs> but I did see the brick. Uh, not the brick, the wall. I saw the wall show. Hmm, maybe that was like two fourteen or something, two thousand fourteen or something oh. like that. But that was just. That was sensational, incredible. <laughs> <clears throat> what amused me watching, I'm, I'm a huge Floyd fan, but 
he had he had a bass double in a lot of a lot, a lot of songs. He's not playing basses. That's right. Yeah, he'd have the bass on and singing, but you know, he'd start yeah. money, then somebody else would take over. And yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> Just do the money parts. That's it. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. And then, Take the money. Yeah, and then you can just chill out and sing and I don't know. Maybe there's some weird thing they've got. I, I don't know yet, but maybe the bass player is always watching him and maybe he gives a nod to the bass player to take over and he might just play and then if he starts again, the other guy stops. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, the production on that show is just astounding. Just the AV oh. stuff and the audio, like there was... Yeah, 3D audio swirling around the. Yeah, I'd never seen a show like it. That's for sure. Absolutely amazing. Well, you'll be in the middle of it, so. Um... Well, literally, it's in the round show. It's like a 360 one. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how that all works. But yeah, we'll be in the middle of the stadium and just sort of people around. I, I presume it rotates. I guess something like that. But um, yeah. What happens with rehearsals with a show like that? So. If I remember correctly, it's like about a month of rehearsals and then a couple of weeks of full production rehearsals, I think. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> but to answer your question, yeah, that's that, he's definitely one, one on the, the list. Um, I mean, Steve Winwood would, would be an absolute oh, dream yeah. to, I mean, even just to, just to jam with him, you know, yeah. would be a, yeah. a dream come true. Um, Oh, I mean, so many of them have sadly passed passed away of recent times, but, um, you know, Prince and David Bowie, um, artists like that, and Tom Petty, that would have been an amazing, yeah. amazing gig. Ben Montench, who's an incredible organ player in that band. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's an endless list, really. <laughs> well, let's uh, hope you tick them off one by one. The, the COVID lockdowns have been brutal for musicians and crew um but we're finally opening up it seems what what's kept you going through these past 18 months of lockdowns <laughs> um well i just definitely very lucky to you know have my family and my my wife and son i can't imagine what it would have been like to be all by yourself i think during these last couple of years especially the last few months would have been pretty tough Mm. Um, but work-wise, work-wise wasn't too bad. It was kind of fun to begin with, you know, apart from the gigs getting cancelled, but, you know, I just ended up doing sessions and doing so lots of sessions for playing on people's albums all around the world, like I did with the Glenn thing. Um, so I really stepped that up and started advertising that and that was good. And then doing Skype lessons as well. Skype Hammond lessons. So it was okay. I definitely got by fine. It was just, um, just got really sort of, I guess, over it. And, and just, you know, what I do is gigs. What I love to do is yeah. play and perform. You know, it's just, uh, it's what I've always done. It's what, and so it was interesting for a time to sort of pivot and do those things. But yeah, then I was just like, oh, I just need to do gigs come on, please. And then things sort of started to get back to normal in Australia anyway, um, uh, sort of late last year. And then for, I guess, most of the first half of this year. And, uh, so things were pretty good again for a while. And then 
then this uh, this delta just sort of kicked us big time. And yeah, yeah, this has been pretty tough, especially the homeschooling thing. I found really tough because my wife works full time as a, a psychologist, so she's busier than ever, and she's kind of out of the house. So, so trying to release the album and record and do all these things, and trying to keep up that pace of of and the, and the kind of progress that I. I can't. I just hate it when that stuff falls away. Um, so trying to keep that and the homeschooling and everything um, on track has been pretty pretty tricky. But uh, this is the last week of homeschooling. So yeah. next week it's going to be like a oh, it's going to be incredible. <laughs> I won't know what to do with myself. I'll be drop dash off at school and I'll be like, what? Where's this seven year old? He's not attached <laughs> to my hip anymore. <laughs> Uh, must be hard to homeschool kids while while you're trying to work from home as well. Yeah, I mean, my mind are all grown. I don't have that problem. Ah, <laughs> oh, well done. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've thought about people homeschooling and working from home, and how do you do that? That's ah, uh... uh, well, yeah. I mean, I think they both just. I think you do both of them badly. That's kind of basically the the way yeah. you do it. <laughs> but tough on the kids as well, like. Um, like schools, oh, yeah. schools a social place, and they need to hang out with their mates. You know, absolutely, they do. And then, even when you stop teaching them, they're still at home, and they still need to do something. And you know, and it just you end up feeling guilty about working and not going out to the park, and or and it's just yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. But uh, but at least it's not for too much longer. <laughs> No, not at all. I'm looking forward to seeing you and the band live once again. I, I caught you at um, uh, acoustic festival at um, Upper Tari. Oh, few, oh yeah. Uh, that was a wet one. Whew. That was a wet one. <laughs> I, I actually briefly met you. Um, you, you wouldn't remember, but there was pissing down, raining, and we we walked back. Yeah, partner and I and. Can't remember the hotel we were staying at, but you were actually next door. Oh, perfect! <laughs> oh, I do remember that. Yeah, you were standing chatting to some people. And we, were, we were going to our room, and we were just drenched. And yeah, <laughs> I remember you looking at us. Who the fuck are these? Well, <laughs> 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 like we walked out of the uh, walked out of the swamp. Yeah, yeah, it was a very wet one. It sure was. It was fun. Yeah, we played, and I think I think the backsliders got to play after us. But then, uh, yeah, then it was too wet for Diesel, that was I think. Yeah. That got cancelled. And I remember seeing him back at the hotel as well. <laughs> oh, there'd be nothing worse than that sort of just, you know, getting all psyched up to play your festival, you know, and then right before you go on, no, cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> I often think about the production crew at Blues Fest last year oh. when they pulled the plug like 24 hours, like they just finished tuning the PA, everything, uh, and then told, well, time to break it down, boys. Uh, I just can't even imagine what the mood would have been like there. I just, I, yeah, that's that's just unmatched, isn't it? That, yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. But you're, you're up at Blues Fest next year, so that's great. I know, yeah. Announced, announced uh, well, was it two days ago? Yep. Yeah, finally. It's actually the first time as Lockie Dolly will be playing Blues Fest, ah. even though I've played the festival a billion times before, Yeah, like uh, in other bands for other people. 
So, um, yeah, finally, I can't wait. And, and it's going to be with the big band too, with the horns and the singers. And Fantastic. So uh, pretty much just like the, the album. So, yeah, I can't wait. I just, I just want to find out what time I'm playing. <laughs> I hope it's good. I hope it's a good time. <laughs> in, in the mojo tent, hopefully. That's right. Mojo. Hmm. Let's go. What do you reckon? 8 p.m.? No. Let's go 6 p.m. That'd be good. 6 p.m. Something is like good. That. The yeah. sun's going down, you know. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Hopefully no rain. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. It's pretty um, <laughs> synonymous with Blues Fest, the rain. Oh, the f- first time I went was three or four years ago and the rain was exceptional that year. And um, <laughs> yeah. there was so much mud. It just it smelled very agricultural in each tent. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, it can be brutal there, that's for sure. Yeah, there's no amount of wood chips or sand that can uh, fight fight the torrential rains of Byron, that's for sure. Uh, it must be such an experience playing on that stage at Blues Fest, looking out. Must be a blast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Those, yeah, I love playing in tents, like those festival tents. Yeah. They always sound amazing. Yep. The, vo- the audience is really loud, so, you know, when they're, when they uh, applaud at the end or they're getting excited about stuff, you can really hear it on stage. So you, you just really do feel like it's this pretty intimate environment, even though there's you can fit like 6,000, 5,000 yeah. or 6,000 people in there or something. But, um, yeah, I remember when I did the uh, all those Powderfinger tours, they were all, the, all the regional ones were tense in... Um, on ovals in the in the towns basically and yeah they were my favorite ones i preferred to do them than the river stages or the arenas or yeah. whatever it's just something about those tent shows and just uh, i love them just yeah you walk on stage everyone's screaming and it's yeah i everyone, love it <laughs> everyone's in a good mood yeah really up for it really up to hear some music and yeah yeah i love the tents and yeah, it'd be great if we can play Mojo uh, next year. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Fingers crossed. So, yeah. where can where can listeners grab a copy of the new album, Loggy? Well, the best place is just my website. Um, just put any dodgy spelling of Lockie Dolly into Google, and you'll you'll come <laughs> across my website. But uh, it is just LockieDolly dot com. And if you want to go straight to it, it's LockieDolly dot com slash three hundred one. If you want to go straight to the album, but. Um, yeah, it's there in vinyl. It's about 30 vinyls left, uh, an infinite amount of CDs, and or you can get it digitally or you can stream it. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. That was Lockie Dolly. If you want to see him in action, hop on YouTube and search Lockie Dolly. Give, give me some loving. Awesome stuff. And if you're a Pink Floyd Roger Waters fan and you're listening in the United States, go buy a ticket for the This Is Not A Drill Tour and see Lockie in action. For Australian listeners, the Lockie Dolly Band is performing at Blues Fest 2022 in April. You can buy his new album, The 301 Sessions, direct from his website, lockydolly.com slash 301. I hope you're enjoying the Songwriters series on The Writer Show. We've got a lot of Songwriters episodes planned, so stay tuned. Mm -hmm. 
Can I ask you a small favour? If you're enjoying the podcast, how about giving us a rating and review? It's pretty easy to do. Just visit our website, thewritershow.com, and you'll see the banner, Review Us on Podchaser. It will take a minute of your time, but will mean the world to us. Your recommendation helps other people find and enjoy The Writer Show. You can find the show notes for this episode and all the others at our website, thewritershow.com. I'm Jeff Hughes. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 